<laughs> Nothing, apparently. <laughs> I want to see how long it would take before both of you cracked and made a sound and noted it's about three and a half seconds. Chicago, we'll say with our chest that of all the sports, soccer is the best. We're talking fire, the Red Stars, Premier League to boot. With Brady, Dave, and Herman, you might learn a thing or two, cause we're the Windy City. And welcome to the Windy City Wingers podcast, one-stop shop for all things Chicago Fire, Chicago Red Stars, and a trip around the world for a soccer update from all over the globe. My name is Alex Herman, and I'm joined as always by Brady Olson and Dave Kolichkowski. Boys, how we doing? I am surviving today. Yeah. Yeah. Surviving, not thriving. Doing good. Doing good. good. Glad to hear it. Brad, I'm glad to hear that you're doing better, uh, but it sounds like your cold has just progressed into the next stage, uh, which is always fun. You never know where it's going to go. In this case, it's gone to your head, and that's lovely. <laughs> what doesn't these days? <laughs> yes. And a big shout out, as always, to Ian Scarlato, working the boards behind the glass, making us sound crisp and clean and smart. Today is a gloomy, gloomy Monday. June 28th, uh, this past weekend in Chicago, we had what would best be described as a monsoon. It was raining pretty much consistently from Friday afternoon to Saturday evening with some severe storms mixed in there, more tornadoes. I don't know if we had any confirmed touchdowns, but it rained a ton this weekend. And whenever it rains like that, all I can think is the plants must be so happy getting so much water. But if you were in <laughs> Chicago, there really wasn't a whole lot to do this weekend. So Sid and I tried out some new drink recipes, which was fun, watched some baseball, but mostly we kind of laid back and took it easy because 4th of July is next weekend. And then after that, the summer doesn't stop until it's over. So Brad, I know you went to a wedding this past weekend, yeah? Mm -hmm. It's a good time. Got my boogie on. It's fun. Good. Excellent. And Dave, what'd you do over the weekend? I uh, moved my entire apartment in the monsoon. <laughs> oh no oh, man <laughs> i forgot you know, about we, we that we kind of lucked out though uh a lot of the move was done um prior to like the heavy rain um on saturday and then um you know there was there was some later on but by the time we got to the storage unit you know it was cleared up as well so we really lucked out and kind of got it done in between showers so found your gaps it was yes but it was maybe a little bit longer because of that um there was like sirens going off like the first time we went to the storage unit. So we kind of had to like stop and like <laughs> pull out to the side of the road <laughs> and like take shelter. Uh, you know? Yeah. Boy. Yeah. If there's one thing that'll make 
moving even more fun. It's severe rain. weather or like a <laughs> snowstorm. Snow Just, or rain. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Well, glad you made it out safe. You're alive and you're moved now. So yes. congratulations. I hope it's a Ish. short one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, as I mentioned, we got 4th of July right around the corner. It's got me dreaming about my favorite 4th of July food, which is bratwurst. And I can't mm-hmm. get enough of them on that particular day. Sausages in buns, homemade mustard. Love it. What are your favorite 4th of July foods slash snacks if it's not like a main course? Mine is typically the brats. Uh, anything with yeah. cheese in it. I mean, I'm all in. Bonus. Love it. Okay. Love that scalding burn when you take the first bite and the cheese just tries to melt your tongue off. Love it. Yep. Can't get enough. Okay. Excellent. I think we're a three for three brats team here. Oh, I'm, a, man. I'm a brats with sauerkraut mm. guy. So yeah. <gasps> I have never I've never had sauerkraut because I smell it and I'm like, no. It's yeah. Delicious. It's it tastes amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally I, worth I it. grew up in a house where my dad put it on everything like sandwiches sausages mm-hmm. whatever it was knives nope i just so don't. good <laughs> all right so you're I need to German try descent <laughs> uh yes i recently learned that the german side of my family was actually french and they mm-hmm. left france in the french revolution because they were royalty but not high enough to be like the top tier royalty, but they were royal enough that they would have been killed if they stayed in the French Revolution. So they went to Germany. La guillotine. Yeah, baby. It's it's pretty cool. It's cool stuff. (laughs) All right. Moving into soccer. The MLS. The Loons. The Loons are back. Very happy to see them play. I did. I was able to check out uh, several of these games, actually. We have three to cover. And we're going to do a quick snapshot of each. June 19th against FC Dallas, draw, 1-1. June 23rd, we won against the Austin Football Club. The trees, as I like to call them, because that (laughs) logo is just a tree. 2-0. June 26th, lost against Portland, 0-1. Kind of expected to lose that one. Yes. That is a mixed bag of performances. You get them all in there. Some good, some bad. Overall, pretty good. I'm happy with that. First game, the draw. To me, if we're looking at this like a bag of candy, that first game is an almond joy. Split it right down the middle. Some people love it. Some people don't. I, I could do without it, but it's at the end of the day, it's still chocolate. The game on the 23rd, the win against Austin, that's a Snickers bar. You know what you're getting. And when you want a candy bar, bam, Snickers is there. The game on the 26th, that's a bit of honey. That's going to stick in your teeth for a minute. <laughs> and it doesn't even taste good. It's just bad taffy. You might as well make the appointment to the dentist now <laughs> as you're eating it. <laughs> yep, pretty much. So that was a quick Loon's wrap up. and. You know, it's nice to cheer for a team that wins once in a while. Boo. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of teams that don't win uh, super often, the fire. Yeah. Let's do it. This game was fun. I had fun watching this game. 
I enjoyed it. End result against Philadelphia Union is a draw, 3-3. Not quite, not quite there, but there were fun moments in this game. Yeah, we almost had it. We, we secured the point, point though, so yay. <laughs> I don't know. Woo! Yay. <laughs> Did you guys happen to catch the fire's shape this game? Back five. Indeed. First time since last year. With Pineda in the middle, I liked it. Uh, I thought it really unleashed a couple players. Uh, Philly played in their normal 4-4-2 diamond, which you can read about on The Analyst. I wrote an article about it, so check it out there. So right away, action in the first half. Glesnes, in the second minute, puts in a goal in his own net by accident, but it was perfect. The touch on that ball was immaculate. (laughs) Sign him up to play striker for the fire because, boy, do we need someone who can put it in the net, and he put it right over his own goalie's head. It was gorgeous. (laughs) Yeah, it was a gift, an absolute gift for us. Uh, What a way to start in in the first 10 minutes, too. Um, Unfortunately, it was uh, pretty rainy out there, so that kind of added to the sloppiness. Um, Started off with Alistair on the left, who passed it out to Navarro, who was also on the left. And Navarro puts in a cross. But to be honest with you, I kind of felt like it was behind our players who were crashing the net. And he was just putting it in the middle, hoping that somebody was following up maybe. Um, But I think, you know, it it was uh, very fortunate for the fire. And to be in that position this early is fantastic. Importantly, the cross was behind the defender, which is why he panics and slides and tries to get a touch on it. This was the good of Navarro. It was great with Aliceta and Navarro down the left side. This was the good part. Yeah. And then I just wanted to point out um, before we go into the first goal or the second goal, um, Stojanovic uh, was inches away from doubling the lead in the 25th minute. Like uh, he kind of broke away and honestly might've just been like a toe off from toe tapping it over the keeper there. So, so pretty excited. Yeah. And then the answer coming from the union in the 28th minute, Sullivan does what every soccer player, every amateur soccer player dreams of doing, which is a bicycle kick executed perfectly. Most people, when they try to do this, end up missing it and looking like an idiot landing on their head. He actually put (laughs) it in. Looks dope as hell. (laughs) Yeah, it was just like a wild moment. Um, I I don't know. The ball just kind of was whipped into the box, um, kind of bounces off Calvo. Uh, over everybody else. And then uh, Pineda was moving towards the trajectory of the initial cross from the corner. And he stops marking Sullivan, who's wide open for this beautiful bicycle kick. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I it's Pineda. Like, uh, it's so close. If he just follows him, maybe it's okay. But also Calvo, like you said, the ball just hit off of him. Maybe, you know, try and clear it. I don't know. I think you know, he's a little. Yeah, gonna, I was gonna say, like, <laughs> you know, what? I was looking for a reason to be mad at Calvo, but I think he his view was obstructed, and he just like as soon as the the player who was crashing the near post for the union had cleared, mm-hmm. like the ball was just there, and it was just like, well, there's nothing I could really do about this. Oh. Like, I don't think he even had a chance oh. to move. Like, yeah, <laughs> fine, yeah. fine. We do yeah. need to defend him when we can. Yeah, yeah. But Dron's not without fault. He starts cheating upfield, which is kind of what makes Pineda pick a defender there, and. So that's not great. In the end, it's a really nice finish from a 17-year-old. And that is the difference between amateur and professionals. <laughs> Did you see the shot, too, of the union coach when that went in? 
as mm-hmm. like he didn't even smile. He was just solidly clapping. It's like that's your 17-year-old prodigy who just did that. And you're okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Stonewall. Yeah, man. he's <laughs> super composed. He's an ex-fire player, actually, that coach, Jim Curtin. So just really composed, you know. Yeah, I expect this from you. <laughs> <laughs> and the union put another goal in in the second minute of stoppage time in the first half. Uh, this was a classic example of just pinball the ball around in the fire's box long enough. And this year, you're guaranteed a goal. <laughs> the fire were so close to having it cleared and got it outside of the box. And the announcer said, and the fire survive. And two seconds later said, oh, they're not out of the woods yet because it goes back in and the union score. It was just maddening to watch that. Yeah, it's it's an absolute joke. Like so many things went wrong here that, you know, it's not almost it's almost not worth our time to break it down, but we have to. So they, they're just under uh, the typical barrage of attacks. And like you said, Herman, like the pinball like analogy is kind of perfect here because it felt like it big time here. Um, finally gets out of danger on the right side, but we don't do enough to clear it completely. Like I think they felt like they might have had the chance to dribble it out here and they completely messed up. Uh, the union whip, the union players whip it back in the box. Um, and unfortunately, Navarro is behind the rest of the defensive line, leaving Burke on side. Um, so it was just an awful end of the half. It's one of the worst times to concede a goal. And for me, the breakdown is all Navarro, unfortunately. He's lazy and he just doesn't get out of his box quick enough. This is one of those where you need to get out of your box immediately catch the forwards offside, this play doesn't even happen. So that's first step. Then, after you've already made a mistake, don't compound it. He does. He takes a terrible angle to try and win the ball, which he doesn't really have a chance to, and then allows himself to get sealed off and then still can't get the right angle to deny the far post shot. So there's like three strikes in one play here for Navarro. So here's the the bad of how Navarro played in this game. Moving into the second half, Fire answer, not right out of the gate. Pretty close, though. 56 minute, Sekulich on a set-piece goal, which were big for the fire this game. Way to start the second half. Tie it up. Chicago is not going to lay down and let the Union run away with this one. Yeah, Madron had a free kick here um, deep on the left side. He swings it uh, to the far post to find Sekulich for a header. Uh, Seklich was out on his own, kind of like isolated um, towards like the right corner of the box. And he kind of sneaks in towards the back post. Um, he, so while he was isolated with that defender, like I, I don't think the rest of the players knew that he was still there at the time. So he, he makes his post, uh, or he makes his run towards the right post and meets the ball kind of at the six. And I just thought it was a really nice goal. I bet you um, like no, uh, Madron, knew that he would be back there, like lined up with the post kind of near the six. And I thought that was scripted exactly probably how they practiced it while they were training. So. Yeah. It's a really nice ball from Madron. We know he has that quality and he needs to keep showing it if we're going to be successful on set pieces specifically. And then shout out to Calvo. He sets a really nice pick here, kind of creates the lane for the ball to drop down nicely on a Sekulich's head. So another good thing we can say about Calvo. He does know how to play his sport. Yay. (laughs) In the 67th minute, Pineda puts another one in for the fire. This one, he ceases to exist until the ball is on his foot, which is brilliant. Well done. 
to just disappear until you're needed and then it's too late. I had to watch this play several times. And when they do the replays, it's from different angles. So it's like, where does he come from? There he is. Bam. Great goal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the quarter kick was on the right side for the fire. Um, the ball was hit over the head of the attackers at the near post and Pineda kind of slips in there uh, towards the ball at the back post, uh, just kind of right above the six at this point. Um, so he was kind of in between the, the six and the penalty spot. Um, and then he just um, out muscles uh, Bizo and uh, he gets his right foot on the ball for mm-hmm. an easy tap in. So it's a man's it's nice. goal. Yeah. It was nice. <laughs> That's a man's goal, son. You remember that one. Also, after doing a magic trick, like you said. Impressive. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then in the 79th minute, uh, it all, I want to say it falls apart, but it was not fun to watch. Sekulich, 79th minute, own goal. Uh, it was a save by Shuttleworth right in the shoulder of Sekulich. Nothing he can do to move out of the way of that. Goes right back into the net. The word from the announcers was, how unlucky can you get? And I think I speak for all Fire fans when I say, uh... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, it says it all there. Uh, was that a foul on Herbers earlier in the play? I say yes, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> and neither were the replay officials. Otherwise, they would call it clear and obvious and take it away. For me, okay. it's clear shoulder into the numbers. So it should have been a foul live, but it's not something that's going to be overturned. I am surprised it wasn't called. Here is where it's not unlucky. Navarro is too high up the field on the left side when the union are building up. And part of the fun of the diamond that Philly play is that those outside points of the diamond kind of have freedom to go wherever they want to. They can get nice and wide and get high up the field causes lots of problems for the defense. It totally happens here. So Navarro should be discouraging the pass, but instead the pass goes out wide to number six. I can't remember his name right now. Um, But instead of covering that and then going up to press, he instead and Navarro's nowhere near the play. Now this pulls Calvo out of position, in my opinion, too far. He shouldn't have committed this hard yet, which causes Herbers to need to retreat in behind him. And he's going to more likely to be pushed off the ball than a Calvo, than a center back, if you will. Now we're still fine. Really? It's we're in a panic situation, but we've got Navarro coming back, but he's completely losing his head here attempts a wild sliding tackle in his own box. So even Mm -hmm. if he does get close, which he doesn't, by the way, total drive by, what is he going to do if he gets close? He's probably going to foul the guy. You don't need to commit this hard. You just need to force the attacker to get rid of the ball here. Instead, it's a free lane to just try and drive it at the goal. And, you know, I think you make your own luck in soccer. And there's so many pieces here where we created our own unluck. I would like to clarify my previous statement in that the unlucky refers to the fact where the ball went after it gets off Shuttleworth. And I know that if everything had gone correctly on that play, yes, it wouldn't have even mattered Mm. because you need to be in position. I just don't want to go on the record as being wrong because it would be the first time that that's ever happened. And it can't (laughs) happen right here. We're just covering our butts here. I get it. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
takeaways from this game. This was fun for me. I'm sorry the fire didn't win. And I know I took a jab at them earlier in this <laughs> very <sorry>. same <laughs> podcast. Um, but I, I do want to see them do well. I do want to see them win. I am a fire fan. But this was a fun game for me. There were goals to see. The crowd was into it when they did score. This looked like a team that fought back. They didn't lie down like they have so often this year. I liked watching this game. Uh, set pieces were big for the fire this game. Two goals coming on set pieces. So I don't know if they've been working on them, but I remember a few episodes Brad said, that would be a really good thing for them to work on just to get morale up, get players doing the things they like to do. So if they are working on them, it's paying off. And my last takeaway is that yet another goal uh, came against the fire from just having the ball in Chicago's box for so long mm -hmm. and lazy defense when they should be up the field running to make that last offensive player offsides. So that, that mm -hmm. goal doesn't even happen. They're not, they're not doing those things. They're not getting solid clearances. They can get it out of the box, but they can't get it up field or players are out of position. So it was fun, much room for improvement uh, moving forward for the fire. Yep. Yeah, that's like the same narrative as last year too. So it seems okay. to be the issue. So it's a bummer <laughs> yeah. though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, the fire is still dead last in the East and they have the worst record in the MLS. So Okay, nice and uplifting. So I'm going to try and bring this up. Uh, we just got to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, the, I really like the shape. So I'm going to talk about the shape. Also, I was the one that suggested it. So I really like it. Alexander's unleashed. Is magical. <laughs> Even that. is unleashed in this because his game is simplified. Help us counter, beat a couple people, find Barrich, get fouled. It's pretty simple for him. It made it highlighted all of his good qualities. Pineda, his game is a little bit simplified. You're behind the ball, you're a good defender, deal with emergency situations, get your confidence in possession. He's also a good ball player from back there. And like I said, we can start to build a Catenaccio out of this and he can move into the midfield as we have confident possession. Now going back to our kind of downer section, Navarro was great in the first half until the very, very late goal. So I wonder if it's a fitness thing. Because wingback is a very specific type of fitness. Mm. You are covering a ton of ground. And if it's one of your first times playing it, I see fitness being an issue. Even so, Wiki can't mistrust his bench if he's got Bornstein, he's got Espinosa, he's got people that can play that position that actually I'm a little bit more confident in them playing the wingback than just a typical left outside back. So there's a bunch of different issues in that. I wonder if give Navarro a few more games of playing wing back and he gets some of those like step or two positionally improvements. Maybe it's a little bit better. Maybe he's a little bit more prepared fitness wise. I don't know. I still like the five back. I like the system. Not the result we wanted, unfortunately for the fire this week, better than a loss. Take that point, hold it tight. Love it. Mm -hmm. It's ours. Moving on to the lovely ladies of Chicago, the Red Stars. This week, they played Racing Louisville. And disappointing result, coming away with a loss, 0-3. to three. Brad, you, as always, have the full Red Stars breakdown. What would you see out there? 
I'm a little disappointed with this one. This is a team we should beat, and it wasn't the greatest performance. Rain just pouring down. So that definitely affected things. And then game states affected things, which I'll get into actually later in this episode. In the rain, it's always interesting to see who's going to react best to the weird bounces because there's going to be be weird bounces. It's just what happens. In the 31st minute, so we're going to kind of fast forward through the game a little bit. Red Star's on top playing well. Uh, Di Bernardo played a ball that barely skipped by the midfielder. Again, rain, it's wet, stuff happens. It gets to Pew, who's nice and composed. She allows the first phases of runs to go through, which opens up the top of the box. Casey Kruger does a nice step over dummy here. And Di Bernardo, all the time in the world, puts it right at the goalkeeper. It's a great buildup, deserved a goal, and good save, but this should be put into the back of the net. Yeah, absolutely. It was such a sick buildup, and it, it was just yeah. it was so close to being perfect. And unfortunately, the finish just wasn't there. And there were five to six red stars in the attacking box too. We were ready to score. So uh, 33rd minute, a little bit of sloppiness from both teams. And look what I found. Di Bernardo has the ball at the top of the box. And this time I will say she's unlucky because she smacks this thing, drives it right at the upper 90. And I mean, right at it because it rings off the post goalkeeper, nowhere <laughs> close. It was a good strike and red stars could have been up one, nothing. And it would have changed this game. By Louisville, strikes in the 38th minute. Salmon puts it in, putting Louisville up, one nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the Red Stars who are too slow to get back here. Aaron Wright is way out of position at left back, and so the ball's played behind her very simply. The right winger then has a simple pass to Salmon, who does a nice, that kind of glides off her foot because it's wet. It's nice and easy to do that right into the far post. All of it very easy. All of it made to look very simple. Too simple if you're a Red Stars fan. Just going to keep moving on here. In the 52nd minute, Pew gets nice contact from the top of the box after a corner kick. This was a great save. Again, one of those that could have been put in, though. And now we're going to move into the worst part of the game for the Red Stars, which was 55th minute. Cola Prico, she sees red. (laughs) She got a yellow card in the first half for a pretty robust header that she won. And... I understand why she gets a yellow. She crushed whoever she hit there. And in this case, there was a sort of quick turnover at half and the Red Stars just were caught way out by it. And Colaprico really did need to pull down Nagasato. Just unfortunate, really. And you wish it was anyone else who was around to pull her down. But good foul, not while you have a yellow, but I understand why she did it. I've done that before. And Nagasato would go on to put that free kick in to put Louisville up two to nothing. Six minutes later, McCaskill puts in another goal for Louisville, all but putting the game out of reach for the Red Stars. Louisville's now up three to nothing. Right. And the red card totally changes this game. Two goals come from pretty unlucky bounces. But I will always say this. You make your own luck in soccer. Red cards tend to make things a little bit more unlucky. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I thought this goal was just super weird. Like uh, the 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 ball that w- was eventually put in the back of the net, like it was just skied in the air and just drifted towards the far post. She just kind of tapped it. And it was just a super strange play and definitely a rain-created yeah, goal. Rain and assisted. when you're down with one player, <laughs> bad things happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. So my my takeaway from this one was the Red Stars had 17 shots, three of which were on goal. 
we've discussed a little bit of wastefulness from the Red Stars, and we've gotten away with it in the games that we've won and or tied. But this is something that will need to get better throughout the season. The Red Stars have been playing well and dominating games. If you're converting shots and putting them on target more and more, that things will continue to look up. I'm still confident in the team, uh, just a little disappointed in this one. And we'll hope for a better game next week. Coming up, the Red Stars play the Washington Spirit June 2nd at 6.30 p.m. Make sure you tune in for that one. And now we go to the classroom. Put on those learning hats. Brady is going to break down a shorter tactical session today. Game states. I am very curious about this one. I don't know what that means, but let me have it. Very good. I mentioned in the last section, game states. It's something in soccer, based, in short, humans are playing soccer. And while the scoreline shouldn't affect how you play, in reality, one will play differently, a goal down versus three goals up. With different game scenarios like this, we can describe it as different game states. Goal differential, cards, time left in a game, the number of subs left in a game, even the type of game, a cup game or a regular season game, can all be ways to describe the state of the game or the game states. One of the things that managers do, I mean, everyone wants, it's nil-nil, you know, we go into half, it's nil-nil, play like it's nil-nil. Except, again, we're humans playing the game. So managers have started to coach different tactics for different game states. So say we're a counterattacking team at our core. That will work well nil-nil with 90 minutes left to go. It works really well when you're 1-nil or 2-nil up. With limited time left in a game, it's going to create opportunities for you to counter because the other team has to score. It's not as effective if you're down to nothing as the other team has no reason to get countered. If we're one nil up in added time, so we've got very little left in this game, we're a man down because of a red card, we're going to park the bus, get the ball to the opposite corner, and just hold on to the ball for dear life, hoping to get a foul, hoping to get a corner kick, and then we can do it all again in two seconds. I like to think of it as coaching a team in gears. So say gear one is your park the bus, go to the corner flag gear. Whereas gear six is the full field press with a high line. Jurgen Klopp calls this heavy metal football or just how Liverpool play. <laughs> There's a compliment nice, to you, Dave. Nice. Thank you, Brady. <laughs> uh, game states can also affect stats, as we'll see in this game of the week. This is part of the reason I wanted to throw this up before we start talking about our game of the week. Uh, teams who are comfy with the game state may switch tactics to allow the other team to have the ball. And then it can inflate certain statistics like passes, pass success, things like that can be affected by just how a team interprets the game state and how they want to play in that way. It also can affect the actual metric. So something like an expected goal metric can be affected by the game state because we may use that to calculate, hey, a goal when you're a three nil up is easier to score than a goal when you're two nothing down or it's even nothing, nothing. So even statistics can be affected by the actual game state and programmers are starting to use that in these numbers. Now, this is not to be confused with the phases of play, which I will demonstrate next week in Brady's uh -huh. tactical sessions. Very good. So is game state a soccer specific 
phrase? Probably not, but it's used by soccer analysts and managers. So it is something that soccer people talk about, but you can talk about game states in a football game too. Sure. Well, like, yeah, I know every sport has game states, but I've never heard that phrase used in any other sport before. It's it's soccer analysis type. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Very cool. Thank you, Brad. And great transition into our game of the week where we get to talk about game states. Last week, we chose Belgium versus Portugal in the Euros as our game of the week. Belgium came away with the victory here. 1-0, knocking Portugal out of the Euros. Yeah, this is such a tasty matchup. Uh, defending Euro champions uh, with Portugal and the t- uh, top-ranked FIFA team uh, in Belgium. And there's like a big narrative around both teams uh, kind of aging, but a lot of the focus was on Belgium themselves because they're in a golden era. So the pundits say, um, and that's just, that's the big focus of this tournament. Nope. Yep. I, I'll go into the tactics of it. Both teams played their ideal setup, the things that we think of these teams. Belgium with their 3-4-3. It's truly a 3-4-3. You can see it across the field. Uh, what made it interesting was when they were defending, Lukaku would drop to the right and then De Bruyne was in the middle, which meant that when they transitioned quickly, De Bruyne could then drop right into the midfield, be one of the first people to find. And then Lukaku just gets lost. He makes big runs to try and win the ball uh, high up the field. Portugal played their typical 4-3-3. Looks more like a 4-1-4-1 defensively as the twin eight midfielders, number eights, pushed up into that line of four. Really good, you know, countering move to each other's systems. It made for a very fascinating game. Absolutely. And Dave, give us the first action that happened in that first half. We had a missed shot early on. Oh, yeah. It was awful. Liverpool guy. <laughs> Liverpool guy, uh, Jota. Uh, not sure what he was doing here. Uh, Renato Sanchez, um, Ooh. like slots a beautiful pass to Jota on the left, who's wide mm-hmm. open. Um, yes, a defender came running in, but you would expect him to not, you know, not miss like the frame of the net, let alone not, you know, mm-hmm. kick it like 20 yards the other way. Like, yeah, he <laughs> pulled terrible. it pretty bad. <laughs> Uh, Renato Sanchez's turn is what makes this play spectacular. Yeah. And then in the 25th minute, um, Ronaldo has this, uh, a free kick that was set up by handball. It's kind of at this crazy angle on the right side of the box. And he just absolutely drills this. Like it was an absolute laser that barely got stopped by the keeper. It's this free kick is an example of why he still takes them. Despite he's not really got that great of a free kick record, but when he hits it, right it's almost impossible to save. This is a really good save by Courtois. It just, he hits it underneath and behind the ball a little bit and then creates that crazy top spin, which can really make the ball go anywhere. Uh, in the 37th minute, uh, Belgium have a chance to break um, and Lukaku's mm-hmm. kit was being held by Paulina, mm-hmm. um, <sighs> yeah, which was just uh, brutal. The announcers um, even pointed out and were just kind of livid. Yeah, yeah, and it's good to point this out because Paulinho gets away with a couple of these in this game and say he gets a yellow here, it changes how he tackles De Bruyne later. Uh, One of the things I think he did well, though, as far as the dark arts of the game is concerned, (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
uh, is he pulls in front of himself and the referee is directly behind yeah. him. So yeah. it's one of those, I'm going to do it right here, kind of subtly. Mm-hmm. And it's up, it, it's up to the assistant ref to see that. Right. And just no one does. And it definitely affects this game later on. Yeah, that was a great point too. Because I think when I was watching that, I could tell that there's no way the ref saw that his arm was lined up perfectly <laughs> with his body. That was, that was cool. Good point. <laughs> it was some genius Slytherin mischief going on right there. Mm. In the 42nd minute, the only goal of the game comes for Belgium. Hazard puts it in. Beauty. Yeah. Yes, it really was. What a shot. Putting Belgium up one nothing. Yeah, Thorgan with the the big beautiful goal here. Um, he was given space and from distance he just lets it rip. Uh, I, I just want to bring up at the beginning, uh, Lukaku mm-hmm. like kind of held up the ball inside of the top left side of the box. Um, it was just it was awesome. Like we were talking about Pineda out muscling. Like this guy is the top like professional. I feel like he's just he just is, knows how to use his body so well, and he just. Uh, kind of boxes out the defender here, creates some space. Herman, I think you have a phrase for this. He's not a son, is he? That's a daddy right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he, after he used this space, uh, or after he pushes the defender out of the way, uh, he is able to slot the ball back to De Bruyne at the top of the box. Uh, De Bruyne tries to push it through to uh, Mounier, but... Um, the ball ends up bouncing off the defender, forcing Mounier to stop his run and kind of come back to the middle. Um, Mounier then sends the ball out left to uh, Thorgan Hazard, um, who is just wide open in the spaces we had talked about earlier, and he just bends it perfectly away from the keeper into the far right side of the net. Beautiful goal. Glorious. Uh, the movement on the shot is what makes it because as far as where it ends up, if you look in the goal, it's kind of in the middle, but the ball moves so much, it makes it very difficult for the goalkeeper. This actually comes from a failed press from Portugal. Ronaldo tried to catch Courtois sleeping and then got himself juked as a result. And then here comes Bernardo Silva. who's like, okay, you're going to push up. I'm going to push up. But then that makes him late to both press and he's not back there to cover Hazard. And then Hazard's incredibly aware and says, if I touch this inside, no one's going to get there. And I have plenty of time to take a strike. It's a really nice goal. And then um, in the 45th minute, uh, Paulinha again uh, makes a pretty uh, daring play. Um, this time on uh, Kevin De Bruyne, which mm. was pretty awful. Um, he was starting, they were starting to make a really nice attack. And um, he finally gets the yellow that he deserved. Uh, he did yeah. technically get the ball to the ball first, but uh, it was yeah. a super dangerous play. Straight and uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously there's lasting impact, which we'll get to later in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, I grimaced and did a full <sighs> watching that play. That looked very close to a severely messed up ankle. Not good. Yeah. I, just like kind of wrapping up the first half too. I thought, you know, Belgium were doing a great job of controlling the ball um, and finally got that goal that they kind of deserved for their play up to that point. Uh, but Portugal mm-hmm. was right in there too and had some very close opportunities. It could have been a very different ball game. So Right. And they've got so much attacking talent. It could change on a, in a moment. For me, I thought the Belgium looked like they had more of a plan with the ball. Uh, Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne would drop into the midfield, kind of into the number 10 situation. They would rotate around and you just didn't know where to find them. 
And then when they'd leave that winger position, it then allowed the wing backs to push up high. So now we've got a ton of people in front of the ball. And then Belgium were super patient with their center backs. They're good ball players. They were just swinging around to each other and quietly confident. They kind of knew it only takes one. We've got a solid defensive plan. And with the ball, we're going to create something. And starting off in the second half, a big substitution happens only a few minutes in. Yeah, it was such a shame. Yeah, he did try, but uh, De De Bruyne ends up coming off in the 48th minute. Um, You know, that tackle, like while at the time, again, everybody's like, oh, he got the ball first. It was completely (laughs) reckless. Um, um, Mertens is a solid replacement, but uh, in my opinion, you can't beat De Bruyne. He might be one of the best players in the world that's like a non-top goal scorer. Um, So hopefully Mm -hmm. he'll be back by the end of the tournament. Yeah, because he is out for at least the next game. I heard that today. Bummer. Yeah, that's a that's a huge shame. Um, so uh, uh, I just want to point out in the 63rd minute, uh, we had the Hazard brothers uh, have a little connection there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Can I so, can uh, I bring up my DVD screensaver? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you so you guys so, remember that little bouncing ball? a DVD screensaver. And then anytime it got close to the corner, you get unnecessarily excited. And I say (laughs) you, because it's everyone for no reason. This was watching this game. And anytime the hazards were close to each other, I was like, oh, are they going to pass to each other? (laughs) (laughs) We finally got a a nice one. Uh, It was Eden Hazard uh, to Thorgan. Uh, It was just this nice flick with the outside of his foot. Actually, was it the back of his foot almost? Like it it just wasn't like he was coming back to receive it. And, you know, it wasn't really in the best spot, but he ended up knowing that his brother was making a run down the left side and just flicks it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I don't know, just in general, just watching the Belgians play was awesome. There's just so many good players on that team. It's just, yeah. it was mm-hmm. such a treat to see them all like connected together and being on the same field. It was insane. Uh, it started getting a little chippy later. Um, <laughs> some sloppy play, late challenges. Um, <laughs> Pepe uh, on, on Thorgan hazard was not needed at all. Ball was blown dead. <laughs> like I understand sometimes you get mad when the team continues to play, even though the whistle's clearly oh, yeah. been blown, but you can't, you can't make a challenge like that. You know, that could have been another injury um, just like what happened to De Bruyne and it was a dead <laughs> ball. <laughs> yeah. And Pepe had, this happens in all sports, but I love it when players just full out deck someone clearly like after the play is dead and then hold hands up immediately. Like, no, it wasn't me. I didn't do anything. He's full shoulder into the chest, <laughs> shoves him down and comes up like, what? No, no, no. That wasn't me. I didn't do anything. It's, it's like, very typical Pepe. <laughs> yeah. That is him in a nutshell. But I, I always... Uh, not always. I usually laugh at that. It's just like, do you really think you're gonna get gonna get away with that? Okay, yeah, yeah. In the 82nd minute, uh, Fernandez uh, took a quarter from the right side and uh, finds Delo in in space. Um, unfortunately, he heads it right at Courtois. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere else in on on goal here would have you know been mm-hmm. in the back of the net. Uh, and then I, you know, like Portugal, you know, had. Belgian like sweating here because Guerrero ends up putting one off the post in the 83rd minute. Um, so just super intense, fun game. Right. And just sort of go off of that. The numbers say Portugal probably should have won this game. 
was this like an expected goals type thing, Brady, or was there some other stats that you were kind of referring to? There's, there's many. So you're talking to the stats, man. (laughs) (laughs) So there's many, uh, because 1.94 expected goals for Portugal, 0.22 for Belgium. That's a pretty significant gap. Whoa. But think of the goal that Belgium scored outside of the box is less of a chance of that scoring than say the header that Dalo had right near the end of the game. So it makes sense. Portugal also had the possession edge, 23 shots to Belgium, six, four on target to Belgium's one, which we saw go in and more passes with a higher success rate too. Hmm. So quick question, how are expected goals calculated? That is too complicated to answer here. And also different organizations, different collectors calculate it differently. Follow-up question. Do you, Brady, know how it's calculated? I know how stats does it. I'm not (laughs) sure if I'm allowed to even (laughs) describe it. I don't actually know. Ooh, this is some like insider trading information. It's an advanced metric. It's cool though. But (laughs) the concept is... We will talk this weekend. (laughs) The concept (laughs) is the more likely that a shot should score, that's your higher expected goal. Interesting. Uh, I thought, just to bring it back to one key number that I think actually does tell a better tale here, there were 23 crosses for Portugal with a 21.7% success rate. I think if you get that percent up higher, you're hitting Ronaldo in the forehead. And we all know what he can do, especially because he's been out jumping goalkeepers at this tournament still. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I know that Belgium have crazy big center backs who are specifically there to deal with that. But I just, if, if you get Ronaldo in the air, anything can happen. But this is why game states are so important and why I wanted to talk about them before this game, because Belgium had that goal and said, okay, you can have the ball and it's going to inflate some of these numbers. Yeah, it was just like such a super fun game, even with the one goal, tons mm-hmm. of opportunities, tons of talent on the field. Um, I just hope the Belgians can recover and are ready right. for this next round. Like That'll be the scary thing that we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Indeed. Chet, we, we will see how deep the team goes, but it was fun to watch them run around. They are big. They are fast. They look, they look like the number one. Mm-hmm. Other action in the Euros 2020. Denmark handled Wales 4-0. to zero. Italy beat Australia 2-1. to one. Czech Republic came away with a victory over Netherlands 2-0. to zero. Spain with a victory over Croatia 5-3. to three. In France versus Switzerland 3-3. Three to three. Penalty shootout. Four for France, five for Switzerland. Switzerland Crazy. comes away with a victory here. Yeah, it, this is wild. Uh, Switzerland opened the scoring. Um, they had a chance to double their lead. And then France uh, have three unanswered goals, uh, capped off by a golazo by uh, Pogba. Um, and yeah. then somehow they let Switzerland back in at, near the dead. Um, you know, we're sitting there waiting for halftime and the pundits uh, made a sick joke about neutrals and like, <laughs> and how like Switzerland wasn't really neutral this time. And I was just like, nice. And then we, they, they went into uh, a little extra time and, uh, you know, 
obviously the first half is usually a lot more intense since we're talking about game states, Brady. They kind of yeah. they they play against each other a little bit harder. But usually that last 15 minutes, like it's pretty slow and people are starting to think like, ah, do we just take it to pens and see how we fare there? Or, you know, uh, try and go out and score one at the dead. Um, and just, it was nuts because the game was decided on a miss uh, penalty kick by Mbappe. And Swiss, all people. Uh, Swiss get through. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Honestly, both the games from today, both went into extra time. Both were awesome. Uh, the Croatia Spain one was also fantastic. Uh, mm. The both the underdogs in these games, Switzerland and Croatia, played out of their skins. Well on, uh, well in for Switzerland. Happy for them. Glad to see them in the next round. Uh, France played well for about ten minutes of this game, honestly. And there are many pundits out there who are saying Switzerland deserved this one. Yeah, they do. Many people are well, saying, "Well, they this. got it." Many people. <laughs> well, if they did deserve it, then they got it because they have it. And we got more Euro action coming at you tomorrow, Tuesday, June 29th. England versus Germany, 11 a.m. Dave, I'm sure you're going to be on, on the uh, chat uh, tomorrow watching all of the England fans get all worked up about their lineups oh, and for sure. yelling at them inside of your own head. I mean, they're terrified. <laughs> that they're playing Germany. I'm sure I haven't really mm -hmm. checked it out yet, but like that's a very intimidate, intimidating team. Uh, so just don't, I, just don't work tomorrow. Just don't go to work. <laughs> like just watch the game. <laughs> I hope that you have a fantastic morning drinking coffee and checking out all of those online forums where England fans yeah. are. So I'll be giggling to myself thinking what a great morning you're having reading all that tomorrow. Pound a bunch of coffee and be like super hyped up and, but also, out, so yeah, people won't be hearing this until after the game's yes, over. Yes, so sorry, everybody. Congratulations, England! Oh, is that what you're making thinking? the call? <laughs> I don't know. You're going against your squad there. <laughs> That's yeah, a little. <laughs> That's your boys. Friendly fire. Also tomorrow on Tuesday, June 29th, Sweden versus Ukraine at 2 p.m. After that, a little bit of a break, but yeah. then again on Friday. The action continues. Yeah, they really do. Switzerland versus Spain, 11 a.m. And the big game, Belgium versus Italy. Must watch. Got to tune talent. in for that one at 2 p.m. Too much talent for one field. What's going to happen? Soccer. Soccer is going to happen. <laughs> and then on Saturday, one of the games we know is going to be Czech Republic versus Denmark at 11 a.m. That second game at 2 p.m. TBD versus TBD. The TB down breaks. I think it's going to be Germany and Sweden. That's just my guess. <laughs> okay. Heck of a okay. matchup for me. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what you would do. Freak out. It's typically what I do. <laughs> so that is what's happening over in the Euros. Over here in the US of A, USA Watch. US Women's National Team. Two friendlies against Mexico. July 1st at 6 on FS1. July 5th at 4 on ESPN. Does this usually happen where you have two friendlies against... Uh, I mean, I know they're next-door neighbors country-wise, but do you have two friendlies against one of your rivals? Like back-to-back? -back? Mm. 
I don't seems, think so often. It seems more of a convenience thing. Yeah. Still okay. a little bit of COVID. COVID rem- yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Okay. So you're just getting out to play pretty much, stretching the legs. Excellent. However, Olympics, this is what a lot of people are going to have eyes on. The first game is against Sweden, July 21st at 3.30. No channel provided at this time. Still got that to work out. However, huge game to start off. And then there's no stage bigger than the Olympics. And the Swedes are a really solid uh, women's team too. Mm -hmm. So that's the fact that they're in the same group is crazy. So get excited. Absolutely. Also, the Gold Cup starts next week. U.S. men's national team first game is July 11th. Opponent is still TBD, but they will be playing on FS1. We know that much. And then they'll be playing July 15th at 9 against Martinique on FS1 and July 18th at 4 against Canada on Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Take it to Canada. Do it. So, down south in America, Southern America, Copa America. Dave, give us an update. What is happening? The group stage is wrapping up as we record right now. Uh, Uruguay is up 1-0 against Paraguay. And Argentina is smoking Bolivia 3-0. So, that's going to be uh, wrapped up shortly. And then we'll know uh, who will be facing the four teams that have qualified for the next round, which at this point are Peru, Brazil, Colombia and Ecuador. As far as the group that's currently playing goes, uh, we know it's going to be like uh, four of these five teams because uh, one team's completely been eliminated at this point in time. Uh, but we just don't know where they're going to fall in the seeding at this at this point in right. time. So it's just too early to tell. But the quarterfinal games are Friday and Saturday evening, um, and the first semifinal game is actually while we record uh, next week, most likely. Thank you, Dave. And now. A new segment. I'm very excited about this. Mailbag. Yeah. We have people writing in who want questions answered. And that is mainly what we're here for. Well, it's kind of secondary. I retract that previous statement. (laughs) We do want to hear your questions because we have answers for you, though. We received a question through our email about rivalries in soccer favorite rivalries that we have right now, and just kind of a general update for people who don't watch as much soccer. What are the rivalries to watch out for? So Brad, I'm going to hand this over to you to start off with. Yeah. So derbies for the uninitiated are what soccer people call rivalries. And they're Mm -hmm. often based on location more than anything else. The closer the team is next to you, more often you play them, the more you know them the more you end up hating them because that's just kind of how soccer works. One of my favorite examples is the North London Derby. And I talk about it often. Spurs versus Arsenal. Spurs fans hate Arsenal. Arsenal fans hate Spurs. And it makes the world go around. Yeah. And much like that, um, like my favorite one is Liverpool versus Man U. Um, It it is like... uh, Consider Derby just because of the the large scale of two clubs and the history between the two of them, like in the English Premier League and on the international stage as well. Like Liverpool have six Champions League titles, Man U has three. Liverpool have nineteen English titles, Man U have twenty. Um, it really doesn't have an official name, but uh, you know, 
the Northwest Derby is what some people call it just because of the geographic location of the two teams. Uh, just another one too that I really enjoy is the Merseyside Derby, which is Liverpool versus Everton. Um, and that's just kind of a local like uh, rivalry with tons of history. The two uh, the, stadiums you can see from yeah. the other stadium. It's amazing. Cool. It's super cool. That's really cool. As far as the MLS goes, uh, there's Chicago Fire versus the Columbus Crew. There's no real name for this rivalry, but it's the closest location-wise like rivalry for these two teams. Um, and yeah, Brady, I don't know if you want to add a point about the 90s here. With, sure. Uh, just yeah, in the 90s, yeah. they were both relatively new clubs at the same exact time and also were super even skill-wise. So they just started <laughs> to hate each other and a derby rose. And that was more of a natural progression. <laughs> Because the MLS will also try and force derbies. So the the fire play in a thing called the Brimstone Cup against FC Dallas. And I hold no feelings towards FC Dallas at all. So it's just a weird, like MLS wanted that to be a thing. However, there are natural ones like the Cascadia Derby, which is Portland versus Seattle. That one's amazing. Oh, yeah. Those fan bases, those teams have been around since the 70s. That's, that's a wonderful one. The Hell is Real Derby is a new one. And that's between FC Cincinnati and Columbus, because I don't know how much time you guys have spent in Ohio. <laughs> There's a giant <laughs> sign that says hell is real in between the two stadiums. So that's just a fantastic name. Nice. It's awesome. And then you got Al Trafico as well now, yep. which is a newer one, but I think it's uh, it's just really fun just because you have an exciting new team. And then a team that has had a lot of history in the galaxy as well. So yeah, those are both the LA teams. So Trafico makes sense. It's also an homage to El Clasico, which I know we have mm. Spanish fans. That's Real Madrid versus Barcelona. Those are just two of the biggest, biggest teams, one in world football, but in Spain. So whenever they play, it's a big game. Important. That's another big one. Are there any international rivalries also that we should be aware of or keep an eye out for? Yeah, absolutely. U.S. versus Mexico is oh, huge. That's uh, like the one that okay. you know I sure. have watched the most. But I think those two squads hate each other. They they relish in each other. You mm -hmm. know, like mm -hmm. losing. So it's just it's just it's a great uh, great rivalry to watch and watch watch soccer. You have Brazil versus Argentina, Germany versus Netherlands uh, mm -hmm. over in Europe. We could talk about France versus Italy, which is mainly a derby because of the Zidane headbutt. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google that and watch it at to your heart's content. It's amazing. I checked before we started the episode. If you just Google the headbutt, it will come up. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's pretty fantastic. All right. Looking ahead to next week. You know what time it is. Time to announce the game of the week. Next week, we will be breaking down Belgium versus Italy, July 2nd at 2 p.m. If you've been listening to us at all throughout this episode, you saw this coming. <laughs> These bit. are the two heavy hitters for the Euros going at it. Definitely pumped in. Let's get some predictions. Brad, mm. score. I think Belgium still's got it. Uh, let's say three to two. Let's make it a, a big scoring mm -hmm. affair. Okay. Dave. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't really care for, um, the style that Italy tends to play, but I'm going to go with Belgium because of that. I feel like, yeah, with De Bruyne out, 
I still think that they've mm. got a solid squad. I think they'll win two to one. So yeah. just to, okay. to devil's advocate a little bit, Italy have been more expansive this tournament than yeah. in, in past. It's not just true, the, true. the adorable Catanaccio that we've seen. Uh, they tend to play a little bit asymmetrical. So their left side tends to get very high up the field. And then they've got three really solid defenders on the right side that tend to hold it down. I think that my emotions are getting the better of me when I say Belgium, because I think Italy have a legitimate shot. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. It'll be a great game. Absolutely. Make sure you tune in for that one and for a breakdown of the game next week. As always, got to talk about the fire upcoming game. They're playing Atlanta United on July 3rd at 7 p.m. I get to go to this game along with Brady and I am super excited. I've never been to a fire game at Soldier Field. Very, very excited for that. Um, And it's the day before the 4th of July, obviously. Uh, It's going to be fun atmosphere, a lot of energy in the city. I'm sure fireworks will be going off Mm -hmm. after the game. Looking forward to it. Brad, is this a game that we can expect to see the fire win or at least be competitive with Atlanta for? This, again, I think Atlanta is a beatable team. I think I want to see the five back again, if not the 4-3-3, but I want to see the five back again because I think that will counter what Atlanta will try to do because they have a very, very good star in Josef Martinez at striker. And he's going to be the main danger man. Okay. And Dave, I, I got to assume that you're going to be tuning in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll be checking that out. I'll look for you guys on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. Except, Please do. I guess it'll be more on my phone. So just do something crazy and get on Bleacher Report. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> good plan. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Receive that push notification. <laughs> Two idiots. <Excellent>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two idiots storm the fields when at the beginning of the game when fire do not come out in the five back formation. Yeah. What happened? Just, what yes. happened? <laughs> Hi, Dave. Just write that on your chest. <laughs> <laughs> Message received. <laughs> Excellent. Other games happening this week. All of the Euro quarterfinal games. Come on mm-hmm. now. Every single one. Do or die. Win or go home. Big games. These are the teams that have made it through to this point. Check them out. Same thing goes for Copa America. Quarterfinal games. Watch mm-hmm. them all. Excellent teams. Really good football. Love it. Uh, closing thoughts before we wrap things up for today. Big week of soccer. Big weekend coming up. What do our fans need to know that you haven't told them already? My closing thought, I'm going to Gene's Sausage Shop on Friday Mm -hmm. and I am picking up. I want, I know I want authentic bratwurst. They have, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like, it's a town in Wisconsin. They said they learned the recipe. Kadosha, maybe. Yeah, Maybe. Sheboygan. Sheboygan's another one. Yeah. Yep. Sheboygan. They, so they have the best brats. And also they have so many different kinds of sausages. I want to pick out a couple that I've never had before and ask the mm-hmm. guy behind the counter, guy or girl working there. What is one of your rarest sellers that you would recommend? Yes. And Indeed. it's going to be a great, 
great weekend for sausages. Nice. I don't have very much to add. Continue to email us. It's fun to get your emails and fun to answer questions. Uh, keep giving us follows. Keep telling uh, everyone about the Windy City Wingers. Passing on the good word. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty much my thoughts. Yeah, seconded. I don't know how I could top that. So, <laughs> yes, please subscribe. Uh, we're on uh, pretty much everything at this point. So just kind of look for us there. Absolutely. Apple Email reviews us. would be sweet too. So that'd be good. Yep. Email us, windycitywingers.info at gmail.com. Brady, give them your socials if they want to reach out. It's at stat underscore bro. I am starting to get better about live tweeting our games of the week. So I will be live analyzing. And also, I think I'm funny. Hopefully you do too. (laughs) You are, Brady. You are. Also, I thought you said give us your socials. And I started thinking about my social security number. Right I was like, oh my God, I better not say that out loud. No. Well, I know I mean, you Dave can give it to is. me if you want, but I uh, wouldn't I recommend it. I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at WCW Dave. Easy enough. Perfect. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy all the good soccer coming this weekend. Happy 4th of July to everyone, since we won't talk to you before then. Enjoy your game states. Thank you.